a pleasure to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I really hope that you do, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4? We're going to be in verses 12 through 19 this morning, and chances are your your Bible has some sort of uh, title for this passage um, dealing with with suffering as a Christian, uh, and so that is, is what we will be discussing this morning uh, as we come to God's Word, and, and, and I, I mean, I must, I must just be completely honest and, and have full disclosure um, before we go into this. This was, for whatever reason, a very difficult message to prepare, uh, and, and I don't know exactly uh, how God is going to use it, but uh, I do know that He is going to use it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, He will apply it to your life, uh, and, and I stand before you with great confidence in that, and in that alone, nothing about my preparation, nothing about any of that, um, only in the power of the Holy Spirit will this affect your heart. Uh, so let us read the text, we will go to God in prayer, and we will jump right in. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, this is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Throughout the history of the church, suffering is something that Christians have faced. We could start with the book of Acts, where the church is born. And we can see that Stephen is stoned. And yet, as he is dying... He's worshiping God. We can move a little further to, to William Tyndale, who, who is probably one of the biggest reasons why we are able to hold the scriptures in our hands in a language that we can understand. Uh, he was instrumental in, in translation work. Um, but as he was being strangled and burned at the stake, he proclaimed... O oh Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Or we could move to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was 
World War II era Christian, um, during his execution, the doctor said of him, in almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I had hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. In April, there were eight men in Indonesia who were killed for their Christian faith. It was said of them, it was breathtaking. This was the first time I witnessed someone so excited to meet their God. Or even more recently, the the 21 Coptic Christians in Libya who refused to recant their belief in Christ after days of being tortured, died singing hymns to their Savior. Why did they react the way they reacted? Why were they able to go to their death singing and worshiping? I think Peter, in this text, has the answer for us. He tells us how we are to respond and how we are to view trials, suffering, persecution as a Christian. The first thing he says, and I love that he opens this passage with the word beloved. Because it's, it's, it's almost as if he's saying, I've been there. He's showing them that that he loves them and that he knows what they're going through. But he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So the first thing we know, the fiery trial is coming. All of those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer. We have no reason to be surprised when we suffer for the name of Christ. Christ himself suffered, even unto death. So why wouldn't we? And I think in that, in in knowing that we are going to suffer, it's important to, to ask, well, what is suffering? What am I able to, to claim under the umbrella of of suffering as suffering for the name of Christ? Well, we can't turn to Scripture and find a verse that says, when this happens to you, you're suffering for the name of Christ. But, but Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, gives a pretty broad definition of what suffering is. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And so when we come into this text, when we come into the idea of suffering, I don't know how you're suffering. But if you claim the name of Christ, you are suffering. Maybe you get made fun of for being a Christian. Maybe, maybe it's from your friends, your family. Those whom you love the most ridicule you and can't understand the 
the change that has happened in your life or, or don't want anything to do with your faith in Christ. And so they do whatever they can to make you feel as bad as you can about that. Maybe you face physical harm. I know that we experience a lot of religious freedom in this country. And so we don't always necessarily have to fear physical harm. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ across the world who face the threat of death on a daily basis. And maybe that's you this morning. It's even possible that that you get some some pushback, some, some reviling, some mistreatment for the things that you post online. Maybe, you know, you've lost some friends. Maybe you've had some really heated arguments. And, and because of what you said you believe about God's Word, the Gospel, or Christ, you face these different situations. Or maybe you have lost your job because of your faith in Christ. Maybe you chose to stand up for what you believe and and lost your job. Or maybe you didn't lose your job and, and the people at your work just continually harass and, and harangue and make fun of you for being a Christian. And that you face this on a day-to-day basis as you go to work. Maybe you answered a question on a test and ended up with a really bad grade because of how you answered the question. You chose to answer in, in a way that reveals your biblical worldview. And because of it, have suffered. Maybe you spoke out about God's definition of marriage and have been labeled intolerant. In all of these situations, the thing that matters is not necessarily what is happening. The thing that matters is what is causing it to happen. Persecution and suffering is different for each and every person who claims the name of Christ. But it all stems from the same thing. When you find your identity in Christ and choose to live in a manner that reflects that, you are faced with opposition from the world. And we can't be surprised about that. We also can't claim every difficult situation we go through as suffering with Christ. Now, we we may not be called to die for our identity in Christ, but we are called to suffer for the name of Christ. But that, again, doesn't mean that every difficult situation you go through is suffering for the name of Christ. But it also means that we can't discount or dismiss something because it does not include bloodshed. If mistreatment comes from our devotion to Christ, we are suffering for His name. And there is a very broad spectrum of suffering. Anything from from being made fun of, ridiculed, to, to being martyred. 
That's the spectrum, but everything on that spectrum, if it comes from suffering because you bear the name of Christ, well then you can claim that as suffering for bearing the name of Christ. And Peter tells us that we have great comfort that is able to come from this. Peter says that our suffering comes upon you to test you. And so we see that suffering strengthens our faith and rids us of self-reliance. The more we suffer with Christ, the less we will cling to ourselves. My dad is into um, scrapping metal. Um, He does that for fun sometimes. Um, And he likes to to get the electrical wire. Uh, And, you know, there's, there's the copper inside of, you know, there's the casing, there's some other stuff going on in there. Um, and, and he could sit there and, and, you know, tear it all apart, do whatever. But instead, he starts a fire, and, and he throws it in the fire. And everything around the copper burns away. And so he is able to get to the valuable thing inside of all of that. And God is doing the same for us in suffering when we suffer for the name of Christ. God is burning off the things that that we cling to in ourselves and makes us rely on Him because everything else has burned away. Nothing else remains when the fiery trial comes upon us. We rely on Christ and Christ alone. Charles Spurgeon said this of suffering, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And when we see suffering as as throwing us against Christ, then we will be able to rejoice in it and we won't be surprised when it comes. We'll know that God has a purpose and He is working in it, working our purification in it. And so we could also say that that persecution purifies the church. And, and I think that this is something that is playing out in front of our eyes today. That that as individually as we suffer and cling to ourselves less and Christ more, individually we become more like Christ. But as that happens to us individually within the church, the church becomes more like Christ. And so purification happens as a result of this persecution. And it's playing out in in front of our eyes as as we are, you know, living in this culture, living in this society that is very hostile to Christianity. And yes, we, we we experience religious freedom, but it seems as though it is slowly disintegrating. And, and it will be the job of the church through all of this to cling to Christ and Christ alone. That as we are purified, we stand out in a culture that hates us. And, and that's going to bring more and more suffering to our lives. But we know that God has designed suffering to happen so that we become more and more and more dissatisfied with this world and the things that it offers and we focus more on what is to come. As we suffer, the things of this world 
grow strangely dim. And we long for Christ's appearing. So we know that we cannot be surprised. And we know that we are to rejoice because of the glory that is revealed through suffering. When we share in the sufferings of Christ, we have every reason to rejoice. The comfort Peter gives in his letter to the elect exiles of the dispersion is not, oh, don't worry, they'll stop making fun of you. Don't worry, they'll, they'll grow up, whatever. He says, the suffering is not going to stop. It might not even get better. But he says we are to take great joy in the fact that we share in the sufferings of Christ. We know that that suffering rids us of our self-reliance and we cling to Christ. But it also has this, this glory that comes with it. Verse 13 says... But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. There's two kinds of glory that are being discussed here. There's there's a present glory and there's a future glory. The present glory is one that we take great comfort in. And that is that in our suffering, the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And, and this is the same Spirit that hovered over the face of the waters at creation. This is the same Spirit that empowered Christ and now lives in us to see the blessing that suffering is. To know that it drives us closer to the rock of ages. And there is no rock. There is no God like our God. The Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see the blessing of suffering and comforts us in it. And yet there is a glory that is yet to come, or as Peter says, is revealed, is yet to be revealed. Scripture is clear that that if we suffer with Christ, we will also reign with Christ. And so we have something yet to look forward to. The glory points to the fact that we are joined to Christ. That if we share in His sufferings, we share in His glory. And so we suffer now knowing our joy is rooted in a future hope. That when Christ returns, that suffering will turn to glory. And we will reign with Him forever. And so from this glory, we take great comfort and great joy, both now and yet to come. And yet, not every difficult situation that we face can be claimed as suffering for Christ. I think we also need to know that sin can bring about suffering. And we know that that Scripture is clear. Uh, 
all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need to see what Peter is saying here about, about suffering because of our sin. And Matthew Henry commented on this passage and said, There is no comfort in suffering when we bring it upon ourselves by our own sin. So we've seen that, that there is comfort from suffering, but there is also suffering that is a result of sin, and there is no comfort in that. I took a philosophy class at Lock Haven uh, with the, the professor. He, he was known on campus as the atheist professor. He was very hostile to Christians, very blatant about it, and would would do all that he could to dissuade the faith of his students. And so I took this class. And, and there was this one particular exam. I, I honestly don't remember what the exam was even on. Don't remember what the question was. I don't remember what I said. But I remember the question was something that in good conscience I could not answer the way he wanted me to answer And so I got the grade back, and I said, oh, that's all right. I'm suffering with Christ because, you know, I I got this bad grade on this test, and it was because of this one question that I answered. When in reality, that wasn't the case. I I didn't study for the test. I I took the test and and had really no idea what I was doing and, and, and got a bad grade because I did not study. And, and, and the bad grade was then brought about because of that. It wasn't because of this one question on the exam. It was because I had sinned and, and not prepared for this exam. I had not um, done this exam as, I was do- as if I was doing it for Christ. I chose to, to claim this as, as Christian suffering. And, and really, probably up until I was preparing for the, to preach this message, I would have said, yeah, that is one time in my life that, that there was this, this big thing that I, I was suffering with Christ. But that suffering was, was brought about because of my own sin. And, and Peter here says that um, let no one suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. And so he's, he's basically saying, sin has consequences. Don't suffer because of your sin. And don't be surprised that when you sin, there are consequences that you will have to deal with. And, and the four sins that he brings up in particular in this passage are, are four sins that, that had a very specific punishment according to the Old Testament law. So Peter is saying, you know, if you're going to sin in this way, remember that there is a consequence that is going to result from that sin. So just like I was wrong to claim Christian suffering for the grade that I got on the exam because I didn't study, it would be wrong for us to claim suffering for our sin as sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I suffered because of my own sin. And and we would do well to learn the difference. We know that suffering for our sin rightly brings shame. 
but suffering for Christ brings glory to God. He continues on in the passage, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now remember who is writing this. Peter, who a few years before this denied Christ three times. He would have known that sin brings shame. I mean, we see in the text that that he went and wept bitterly. He was ashamed. And yet, he is also the one who goes on to suffer greatly with Christ. Christ says of him that he is the rock that his church will be built upon. And Peter is driving home the point that there is no shame for suffering in the name of Christ. When it happens, we are to glorify God in that name. We're not supposed to be filled with shame. We're not supposed to to cower in fear. We are to stand firm and glorify God that we have been counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Christ. When we are given the gift of suffering with Christ, we are to receive it joyfully, knowing that God is glorified through it. Knowing that He has a purpose for bringing us through this. He intends to draw us closer to Himself. He intends to burn away the impurities. But ultimately, it is for His glory. And just think, if our reaction to suffering, to, to facing you know, persecution at work, at home, at school, wherever it may be, if our reaction to being reviled and persecuted is one of joy in giving glory to God, those who are reviling and persecuting us get to see that we stand for Christ no matter what. They get to see that our firm foundation is Christ. And that in in that suffering, in that persecution, by, by reacting with joy, we give the glory to God. Knowing that He is in control and that He is working in this situation for His purpose. And not only that, but we get to be a witness to the world. Because we face persecution simply by identifying as a Christian. We believe some, some really countercultural things and some really difficult things for the world to understand and grasp. And yet, we stand firm, knowing that this is God's word because He spoke it, and because He is the Creator of all things, He is the one who is in control. He is the one who gets to define our existence. And so even in our suffering, our focus must be on glorifying God. And that's not something that's easy to do. That's not something that that would be our natural reaction but, but along with Stephen, along with William Tyndale, along with uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit to be able to face those persecutions with joy. And that is how we are to glorify God. And I, I really find this text interesting. I don't, I don't know if you know, there are three occurrences of the word Christian in the entire Bible. Just three. And that is the name that we choose to call ourselves now. And when it was originally spoken, when it was originally the term that was given to these people, it was an insult. They were being reviled because they looked like Christ. Christian means little Christ. And so when, when, when followers of Christ were originally called Christians, they were, they were being persecuted. People were saying about them, well, that guy looks like Christ. And that was the worst thing that they were able to say about them. And, and it's really interesting because this text is the first time in Scripture that, that the word Christian is not being spoken of in terms of the insult. It's almost as if Peter is, is grabbing that term and owning it and saying, yes, we look like Christ and we are not ashamed of that. that that's the point of our existence anyway. That, that as we live this life and, and have been saved through sanctification, the power of the Holy Spirit, we look more and more like Christ. And so go ahead, call us Christian. Try to insult us, but that is how we are trying to live. And so praise God that you see that in us. We don't, we don't need to be ashamed of suffering for the name of Christ or looking like Christ. We own it. And we look like Christ and live a life that reflects His glory. Do you yourself know that there is no shame in suffering with Christ? That when people revile you, when people persecute you, there is no shame in that. Do you know that? Can you live your life as a reflection of the righteousness of Christ and not be ashamed, but turn around and give God glory because of what He is doing? I really hope that you can. I really hope that you can grasp the fact that there is no shame for suffering with Christ. In fact, there is great glory and there is great blessing to share in the suffering of Christ. That when we are reviled, Christ did not revile in return. We entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Christ as our example is who we are called to look like. And when people revile us for looking like him, well, praise God that we look like him. And if... And when our lives are on the line for the name of Christ, we will have no reason to be surprised 
but we will have every reason to rejoice. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Persecution is not the worst thing that can happen to us. The worst thing that could happen to us is that we are cut off from God and and die in our sins. But because of the work of Christ on the cross, all those who place their faith in Him don't have to fear that. We can stand firm in knowing that, that the sacrifice of Christ was accepted by God, and through faith we are partakers of that. We share in His suffering because we will share in His glory. And when we see that to live is Christ and to die is gain, everything changes. The way we see suffering, the way we live our lives, and ultimately... Everything becomes about the glory of God. And that is how we suffer with joy. There's no shame in suffering for bearing the name of Christ. There's joy. But we also know that we do not suffer outside of God's plan. So we entrust it to Him for His purpose. We've seen that you know we're not supposed to be surprised. We know that God has a plan, and that is to, to purify us individually, to purify His bride. And so we suffer knowing that. And yet, we also need to realize that there is a difference in how that is carried out in whether we are believer or non-believer. For those who are in Christ, suffering is our joy. There, so, so we say this way, there's a difference in how Christians suffer now, on this earth, and how non-Christians, those who die without Christ, will suffer in eternity. There's a difference. And Peter is, is, is calling us to that difference If we are suffering for Christ now, glory is to come. And so we could say it this way. Those who are in the family of God have their worst in this life. God has designed it this way. He has not only designed it for the purpose of purifying us, but but He has designed it to, to make us long for what is to come. When we can be in the one-on-one presence with Christ. And we can see that our suffering was but light and momentary affliction. Knowing the glory that was to be revealed in Christ. And so if this is how it is for the godly, the ungodly will experience their best in this life. There will be suffering now, and yet what is to come in eternity for those who die outside of Christ, the worst is yet to come. And this is what Peter is getting at in verses 17 and 18, uh, 17 through the end. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. 
And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. When Peter says the righteous are scarcely saved, he's not saying that it was really, really difficult for God to save you. He's not even saying that it's possible for salvation to be lost. He's saying that as Christians, we come to salvation through many trials, tribulations, toils, and snares. Because he knows that the road is narrow that leads to life. There will be many distractions. There will be many persecutions that come. And yet, God is the one who is in control. And so that, if that's how it is for the righteous, the unrighteous will experience the exact opposite of that. And so because of this, when we suffer... We know that we suffer according to God's plan and according to His purpose. So not only do we rejoice, but we entrust our souls to Him. Because He has a purpose in our suffering. And Peter ends this section with that reminder. When we suffer according to God's will, That is, for bearing the name of Christ. Not suffering for our sin, but something we have brought about ourselves. When we suffer according to God's will, it allows us to continue doing good while we suffer. Because we know God is in control. And so when we face the distractions, the temptations, the persecutions of this world... We face them boldly, standing firmly on the foundation of God's word, knowing that this is according to his plan and his purpose, but knowing what is to come. Knowing that that nothing in this world can stop us from living in the way that God has called us to. There's nothing that this world can say, nothing that this world can do to deter us from living for the glory of God. And when when we grasp that, suffering changes. It becomes an an opportunity for, for others to see the glory of God, that as you suffer, you are pointing to Him. And there's nothing that the world can do to stop that. Peter encourages us to continue doing good. I mean, he's, he's talking about all of those things that I've already told you in this letter. Continue doing them. So when he said, submitting to the government rulers, obeying masters, submitting to households, loving wives, all of the things that he has already commanded to do, we continue to do even in the midst of our suffering. When we do this, we're showing the watching world 
that we are suffering according to God's wills, to God's will. But not only that, we have entrusted our souls to our faithful creator. And what greater comfort can we take, but what greater glory can God get? That we know we are suffering according to his plan, to his will, and we are showing the watching world that he's in control. That, that as we suffer, we continue to stand firm. We know that, that right is right, no matter what the world says. And we stand firm on that, no matter the persecution or suffering that we face. We entrust our souls to God. Knowing that He will be th- with us through suffering. And as he refines our faith, strengthens our resolve, comforts us with the Holy Spirit, and glorifies Christ as we rejoice, we count it joy to have been counted worthy to suffer with him. And so suffering as a Christian is difficult. I'm sure that you face suffering each and every day in your workplace, in your family, the relationships that you have. But Peter is clear in this passage that when we suffer, it's not outside of God's plan. It's for His glory. And so, I would ask you, Are you suffering? Are you sharing in the sufferings of Christ? And I want you to really think about that. I want you to evaluate your life and see and and say, am I sharing in the suffering of Christ? Am I I, um, suffering because of my sin? And if you are suffering with Christ... Praise God. Praise God that the world sees Christ in you and finds it necessary to revile you. Praise God that that we can have the comfort of the Holy Spirit through that suffering. Praise God that He is doing this for His glory. Praise God that He is purifying you individually and the body as a whole. So that as you suffer, the bride that will be presented to Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb will be a pure bride. And that is what we look forward to. Our suffering purifies us so that we might be presented pure, spotless, blameless before Christ. And so if you are not sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I would ask you to to think and, and to say, well, why not? Have you been united with Christ? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, have you experienced salvation? If not, now is the time. Now is the time to to call out and say, yes, I know that I I am a sinner 
And, and the only way that, that I can be purified is through the sacrifice that Christ made. And, and guess what? In doing so, yeah, you're signing up to share in the suffering of Christ. But praise God, because you get to share in the suffering of Christ. And when that happens, Scripture promises that you will also reign with Christ. So we suffer knowing there is a purpose. We suffer knowing God has a plan. We suffer seeking to be purified. But ultimately we seek to glorify God in that name. So as you suffer this week, in the days, weeks, months, years to come, may that be true of you. May you glorify God in that name as you face whatever the world can throw at you. May we do it in the power that He provides. Let's pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have called us as believers in Christ to share in His sufferings. Help us, God, to face them with joy so that the watching world may see You are our firm foundation. May You be glorified in our suffering, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.